to the two marks exclusively on the pod station. listeners to another episode of Loki, brought to you by The Two Marks. This time we are discussing episode 4, The Nexus Event, and once again The Two Marks are delivering an irreverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation and social commentary. How many times could you take a kick to the balls? Has their fight choreographer improved upon that fight scene in the Last Jedi throne room? Is the collective term for Loki a mischief of Lokis? And did Morbius name drop Thanos and Blade? All this and more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. Hello. Hi, mate. (laughs) You alright? I'm tired. I'm really tired. You've been working out, haven't you? Yes, I rang my good friend here to arrange the time for us to come and do our recording. I was on the way to the gym because I'm a healthy soul, or rather, I put the batteries back in my scales and saw the full extent of the damage caused by the COVID virus. Um, So I was using my gym membership. And while we were chatting, I was like, ooh, is he dead or is he not? And you were like, well, what about the post-credit teaser? And I was like, what post-credit teaser? So my gym, I presume this is because they don't want you focusing on anything other than how fat you are. (laughs) It's like a black hole for getting a phone signal. You can only get Wi-Fi inside the actual gym and you have to jump on theirs. So I had to run into the gym, get onto the exercise equipment as quickly as possible because you have to wear a stupid face mask until you do so. So I was like as keen to get onto a piece of equipment. So I got onto one of those exercise bikes and I'm sort of frantically, well, I didn't realise I was frantic pedaling but I was frantically pedaling because I was so excited about trying to get this post credit teaser which I'd missed whilst also at the same time working on my phone to connect to the Wi-Fi logging into my Disney Plus account watching it and then by the time I'd actually finished watching it I sort of looked at all the information on the exercise bike screen and I'd, I'd been absolutely hammering it for about 10 minutes because of the sheer adrenaline of excitement and then obviously because of the excitement of having watched it I was then pumped full of adrenaline for the rest of my gym session so I've done a really hard intense gym session probably far more harder and more intense than I would normally have done because of the teaser trailer which I'm now feeling the effects of you've probably done the Tour de France <laughs> I think so because when you rang me you were like oh, I've watched it twice you were pretty excited about the fact you managed to get to watch it twice and then I was like did you see the post credit scene and you were like what <laughs> Yes, I'm glad that I've been able to assist your fitness regime. I just can't believe I missed it. To introduce a new section to the show that is unbeknownst to either of us, well, not wrong, unbeknownst to you, which I've been pretty excited about for almost the whole week. Oh, is this the thing you mentioned which you haven't told me about yet? Yeah, because I thought I'd do it live on our podcast for extra excitement to Ooh. take us into what is pretty much a very, very exciting episode. Yes. Without further ado, let me give you the full experience. Just let you know people he's taking his clothes off in front of me oh he's handed me a bag now excuse me while we rustle while i open said bag does this involve any kinky teamwork oh mg so oh that's very exciting isn't it I thought we'd enjoy the shared experience. Just to explain, I've just been handed a bag which I've opened and inside it, my good friend here has got me a TVA. 
jacket which I'm going to put on for the remainder of this podcast because it's so exceptionally exciting. Notice she got me the fat size and you the not fat your, size. It's because your body type's bigger than mine and also you're at the gym. <laughs> gonna, there we go. No, oh, it's perfect. Okay. Oh, that's mega. Yeah. We will post a selfie of us both wearing our TVA jackets on the show just while Mark very tentatively clips me tag off. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Put yours on. Wow, that was very exciting. We're now both donning our Time Variance Authority tops, which we've selfied and we'll throw on the old socials. You can find us the two marks on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can see the image there. Donning it, looking very fantastic. Thank you very much, sir. I knew you'd appreciate it. Well, it could go either way, couldn't it, really? <laughs> I'm easily pleased in fairness <laughs> well spontaneous surprises it's 50-50 isn't it really well I think you know me well enough to know that I was always going to be excited I'm not sure my other half's going to be as excited as I walk round town dressed like a tit because of course she will know that I'm now wearing a what is essentially a comic book top in full glory with a stupid grin on my face while well, she has cucumbers. to walk next to me going he's a fully grown man <laughs> you should know better oh uh, that's classic but you could always just delete that timeline oh yes and it never existed and then you can do the same thing tomorrow <laughs> just keep on opening up the package yep. well thank you very much are we going to offer one of these to our listeners I thought that it would be a very good idea to encourage people to get us followed on Instagram you can win what should we do to make people earn this top I feel this top does warrant being earned oh definitely it's not one of those off the shelf ones this is a very bespoke and they all seen the price tag <laughs> well they're also extremely uh, uniquely priced as well good old Disney Cash. if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show yeah and then we could do this all day long yeah the two marks at thepodstation.co.uk we will take your money absolutely the best way I think and the fairest way is to pose the question whoever gives the best answer give the winner the jacket okay because obviously they'll need to give us what sizes they are what question should we ask we need to make it low-key relevant I guess don't we absolutely well the best one would be the one that was recently asked this week are you thinking the same one I'm thinking of it I am yeah okay go on you say it first let's say oh my god we, we are such a couple oh my god it's like falling in love with myself <laughs> Which is also like this episode. The question that I was thinking of, if you had a time period to go to, which one would it be? You know where I go? If I could go anywhere, wherever it is I'm really from. And wherever I had a life before the TVA came along. I had a jet ski. That's what I'd like to do. Yeah. Is that a question you're asking me? I don't have a, a witty retort lined up. No, it was one that people need to answer to win. Probably go back to my more slender self and tell them not to eat that extra pie. In those days, it was like, ah, oh, lamb slim, it doesn't matter, another pie won't do. When you're younger, you can eat what you like, drink what you like, and still climb into your 26-inch waist trousers and zip them closed. Then you reach that age, 24, 25, your muscles give up, they wave a little white flag, and without any warning at all, you're suddenly a fat bastard. But all pies add up. They all add up to pie. Pie R squared. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay, what we will do is we will post a picture of us wearing our sexy tops with the question posed. If you follow us on Instagram and you throw a comment in to give us the answer to that noodle scratcher of a question, we'll announce the winner at the season overview show that we will do after episode six. That is perfect. Sounds like a plan. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well else can you do we've already mentioned you can follow us on the socials make sure you subscribe you can catch us 
on all of the major podcast platforms. It's the two marks. You can listen to all of the other stuff that we do. So we do loads of Star Trek stuff, loads of Marvel stuff, TV stuff, film stuff. It's all there to be had. So go and check us out there. Exciting. Oh my God. Talking of exciting, shall we get stuck into this episode? Let's unpack it. Yes, do. Was another whirlwind of an episode, which nicely fitted into last week's episode. Have you got an overview? So this week's synopsis, frayed nerves as paranoia infiltrate the TVA as Mobius and Hunter B-15 search for Loki and Sylvie. Discuss. We start the episode in Asgard. We do. But it's not the Asgard we know. It's a different Asgard, isn't it? With a younger Loki who is a little girl. Hmm. We've seen Asgard a few times across the MCU. We haven't seen this one. But what we did find, Renslayer was A23. A pleb. (laughs) A worker bee. Yeah, she was Hunter A23, wasn't she? She was part of the Minutemen. Yeah. Before she was promoted, but massively failed. Gonna say, if you live in the UK, you'll probably be quite familiar with the fact that there is a linkage between how incompetent you can be and how well you seem to do internally in the government infrastructure. There seems to be lots of promotions for people who don't seem to do their job very well, which isn't something in the private sector I've come across a huge amount. Usually you get given something pink with a, a P and a 4 and a 5, which is basically you're sacked. And a box with stuff in. Yeah, and this felt very much like this because she loses the kid <laughs> and the kid then goes on to not only evade but to then attack the TVA for it must be centuries oh it's definitely a long time you think about where she's going going to different periods of time she's obviously grown up evading and then realising that she can live inside extinction level events to avoid being captured why I think she's such a threat to the timekeepers it does show how easily she managed to escape pickpockets like Oliver Twist and gets off in this beginning bit we see Renslayer going up in the lift and stepping out into a room where there's three shadowy figures in the distance we've had a reservation about whether they actually exist or not throughout the course of this episode obviously that comes to fruition being the case further down the line in this episode what were your thoughts when you saw those three shadowy figures were you excited were you intrigued did you still believe that they didn't exist even though you could now see three figures which implied that there was something there I remember getting slightly excited about it all but then feeling a little bit hesitant and disappointed because three giant lizards who control all of time felt like a bit of a stupid story arc not necessarily one I'd want to buy into I think it was a bit of both trepidation we were getting closer with it being episode 4 to the puppet masters last episode I said do the timekeepers actually exist I was a little bit dubious and suspicious of whether there was something behind them because I said to you who watches the watchers pulling in comic book canon we've mentioned in previous episodes Kang the Conqueror we know he's coming in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania anyone who's seen Ant-Man and the Wasp where he's in the quantum realm probably seen a blink and you miss it moment depicts a little city my prediction was they may not exist and what we do know now we're going to jump ahead if that's okay yeah we can jump wherever we want because time is irrelevant and we actually have the jackets so we, we are do, now just official. to prove it we can do what we want they are automatons they're androids therefore there is somebody behind them the only person that I thought who had the technology to do this was Kang the Conqueror he's from the 31st century maybe he's bumped into Star Trek the USS Discovery but he's also known as Immortus in the comics his future self of Kang the Conqueror when he gets a bit bored of creating other Kangs to be a courtroom of Kangs he just creates one he does a deal with the timekeepers to say he will be immortal but will have 7,000 years of reigning in the comics he turns out 
to be like the Genghis Khan of time travel. Next to Thanos, he is probably one of the most dangerous villains the Avengers dealt with. In Ant-Man and the Wasp, we saw the small little city, Chronopolis, the city controlled by Kang the Conqueror. The question which we've been asking ourselves across the course of the four episodes, where the TVA sit in? If he's done a deal with the Timekeepers, the TVA could be in the quantum realm. Chronopolis could be their operations centre, which is why none of the stones or the Tesseract work because they're not inside time. That could be the person behind the Timekeepers. Because if he's a massive baddie, one assumes he will take that Thanos-type role. They're introducing him quite early and they're sort of suggesting he's involved now. Mm. And if he's involved in the Ant-Man, again, that's still a lot earlier on. We only got very brief glances of Thanos throughout the first three phases of Marvel. In fact, we barely saw him and people like me didn't know anything about him, didn't particularly care all that much until we got to the back end where shit got serious. One of the things that I've learned to do over the course of the MCU is if you wait long enough, there's always a payoff. What Marvel have always done is behind the scenes, they've always had the big villain. Before you saw Thanos, you had the Shatari. Loki was doing some work with and then that lent itself to the Dark One, which lent itself to being connected to Thanos. Similar with WandaVision, Agatha Harkness was the villain. He didn't really know and then it became was Sword the villain because you're thinking, well, who's the baddie? Same with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Spoilers, Sharon Carter becomes the villain. She ends up being the power broker. Very slowly are revealed who the actual villain is and everyone's guessing who it could be. Logically, you'd think the timekeepers, but really behind the scenes, everyone's been following this narrow path. Sacred timeline, I might say. You mentioned last episode, it's very communist. Everyone's controlled. The sacred timeline is just another method or manifestation of how you control people. Mind wiping people is controlling people. If everyone's believing in the sacred timeline, the sacred timeline may not even be a thing. It could just be something that is used to keep everyone in check, maintain power. It was interesting to see how they did it and I thought they did it well, but I'm still... Mm, I couldn't understand a word they were saying. In fact, it took me massively out of the scene because when they started talking, I couldn't hear a word they were saying, which made them feel a bit comical. Like Bane. I was just shit. It was really, really bad. I could just about hear what the first one was saying, the one sat in the middle. The other two, I didn't have a Scooby-Doo, what they said at all. Actually, a part of me at that point was like, I hope they're not real because if they keep on talking, I'm not going to know anything that they say. So when it turns out they were robots, I was like, thank Christ for that. <laughs> I couldn't listen to a word more that they say. And I had to run it back a couple of times to grasp it. They weren't saying anything, anything much of note. And what they said was, Translates to, you've been bad, you need to get killed. How complicit do you think Ravona Renslayer is in all of this? To begin with, she feels like she's going to be the big bad. In fact, she could even be the one who's pulling the strings. But when it starts with her being a normal hunter, you see she's had to rise through the ranks, which kind of nips that in the bud. And at the very end, when she's trying to encourage Lady Loki to just end her, that suggests that she knows she's messed up. There's going to be consequences to that, and she doesn't be around for those consequences, which again implies she isn't the top dog. In fact, she's probably not even got that much way with the top dog because you wouldn't look that petrified if she was and I know in the comics her and Kang have got a bit of a thang going on but presumably if she had any sway and she was in a relationship with him she'd feel a bit more comfortable whereas this one she had horror all over her face that she was going to get her ass well and truly kicked. There's a lot of things going on isn't it that you think she could be complicit in the whole covertness of it all but I think she believed that they were real. Oh so you don't think she realises? I think she is as shocked as the other because she's following what she's been told she's gone through the ranks so she's been indoctrinated it's like that whole thing 
that people have used in history. I was only following orders. And then you start questioning, and I mean rightly wrongly, whether they did know what was going on. And the chances are, people on the lowly bottom didn't and were following the hierarchical structure. She's further up, so she knows more. I think she knows about wiping people's mind, which leads into what you were saying the other week about the fact that when Morbius mentions about all of the stains, she says, well, you've put them there. Well, he doesn't remember that. They've obviously had similar conversations before where she's had to wipe his mind. I think she's been complicit in that. However, I do believe she's thinking these timekeepers are real and doesn't know that they're an android. When you've had that belief system literally shattered, the thing you're going to become is defensive. It's a bit like the Wizard of Oz. Excellent. So you believe that she doesn't know. I believe she does know. That means one of us is going to be right. That's very exciting. Stay tuned for the next two episodes to find out that I'm going to be right. At one point, when she comes down from having seen the timekeeper, she then lies to Morbius, doesn't she, about what's happened to Hunter B-33? Did he have that many? It's like Battleship. <laughs> yeah. You hit my battleship. The one who was enchanted by Lady Lowe. Yeah. She says that she got put down because mm. the brain had gone all gushy. Yeah. It's, I mean, at that point, you don't know it's a lie. I knew it was a lie as soon as the words left her mouth. I was like, that's the perfect. We've got a prisoner. We need to get some information from her. Let's tell everyone she's dead so that they won't know that we're just about to put her through the ringer. I was much the same as you. I believe that she was telling Porky's. You almost see the seeds of doubt being planted. Mobius does still question at that point, doesn't he? He, he, does, he yeah. sort of like, she seemed alright to me when yeah. I was talking to well, her. Well that's right because his investigation is with our Loki and he's saying he'd actually benefit where we pick up on the planet. Both Lokis are having a chit chat. When they're on the moon there are large rocks hurtling towards them but they have this Sylvie are having quite a nice moment together. I think this is what this episode has done so well. There's loads of action, there's loads of story arcs there's loads of plot developments it's not at the expense of any emotional gravity. This is quite an emotionally charged scene. It could have been really stupid because you're essentially having two people who are the same person falling for one another. That's what Mobius says. Classic narcissistic approach when you fall in love with yourself. But actually, I think that was an oversimplification. I mean, I think he's trying to be hurtful to Loki. He does say a lot about Loki that actually he falls in love with himself and that narcissism is being tapped into. However, I think it's also because they both almost understand what each of them are feeling in terms of love loneliness and not having that companionship and that wider circle of people who they can turn to when they need. Well he's alone isn't he really and it's, he's alone arguably at his own hand who is the only person you'd spend time with and it's himself from a metaphysical point of view it's not possible in this it is she's a variant of himself and was grateful that we had episode three that first look seemed to be a waste of time but actually I'm grateful for that now we built up this friendship this chaotic relationship. It starts as an understanding doesn't it? Yeah it was nice to have the episode to develop that and take the time to start off where they're quite abrasive with each other to mocking each other in a nice way to now getting closer could become a relationship now maybe this is the massive timeline that no one's ever seen before because what happens if those two get it on and have another baby that's just weird now is that timeline them both falling for each other or is that our Loki falling for Sylvie is he more keen on her is she just seeing him as a confidant who she now cares for because she can see they share a lot. He's now thinking... with the bit that keeps on getting kicked <laughs> and it's useless now isn't it <laughs> well it's completely useless or if it's not useless he won't be using it for a few weeks yeah <laughs> he'll just be sitting on some peas from the supermarket is he in the friend zone has he misread the situation is the nexus a visual timeline depiction of what's of going on on his pants 
<laughs> is that what we were thinking at the same time? That is a very good question. I didn't turn it into a Dr. Phil episode. I simply thought that the reason why this is unique and new, both of those two people shouldn't have been on that planet, arguably is an extinction level event. Technically wouldn't have mattered anyway if we are believing how she was able to evade them. But let's take it as it is. Those two would have never been together if it wasn't for the fact that they escaped the TVA. If what we're saying is going to follow its natural path and they do find themselves to be lovers, they have then children, which was never supposed to happen either. On the assumption that the sacred timeline is in fact an actual thing, that would be why the spike looked like an erection. <laughs> The other question is, it pans from this scene. I have to say it was a beautiful scene. The lighting, the special effects, there was no expense spared, was there? Really, really good. The pan between this and the TVA, because Morbius is obviously sitting in the control room and they're looking at the TV screen. Where have all those other timelines gone? Because not too long ago, there was Armageddon. Loki caused absolute murder by creating all these offshoots. And bearing in mind, the last episode was them entirely on that planet. I can't for a second believe that the TVA has suddenly and magically fixed everything, or have they? Because time's not a thing in the TVA. Have they had millennia to fix it whilst the two Lokis have been stuck on the planet in what we would consider a short space of time? Well, anything where it's time involved it allows you to do all sorts, doesn't it, really? But I'm glad you brought that up because one of my questions was, what has happened to the multiple timelines? The short answer is, I don't know what's happened to them. I hope they've been sorted because they were heading to the red line quite quickly. There's so many euphemisms with that whole thing yeah. isn't there assuming behind the scenes they've been dealt with or another question raised is the sacred timeline as sacred as we're meant to believe it's all a facade it's a pantomime Wizard of Oz behind the curtains to encourage urgency and get people to do things because the red lines become a thing ah uh, yeah the other rumour that's going around is those timelines are franchises that never went anywhere for example anything that was produced by Universal Lionsgate film Sony and Fox <laughs> like Silver Surfer right but they are brand timelines. Maybe it's far too deep. Not my suggestion. It's just a record. And just before they get hit by an enormous rock a couple <laughs> of doors open up behind them and they just toddle out and the next thing we see is them as prisoners. Yeah, being just, interrogated. They split them up, don't they to begin with? Yeah. And Morbius is particularly pissed with Loki. I mean, if I was Loki, I'd sort of be saying, well, she went through the gate. I followed her because we're trying to capture her and I saw it as the best way of doing that. But he doesn't. He immediately goes along with the idea that he either there was in cahoots or that he was trying to escape. Well it continues this cat and mouse theme that we've had from episode one. Mobius is trying to see if Loki's changed and catch him out. Loki's playing up to his character that people know him for. I suppose having any emotional attachment to things is essentially a weakness. Goes back to that comment he made. Not everybody who's bad is really bad and not everyone who's good is really good because what this does this episode cements the fact that actually the people we thought were good could potentially be bad and not really know it because they're all variants. I was just about to say that the scene where they bring Loki into Morbius's office just before they throw him into the nut trap, that's the same scene or a very similar scene to the one we saw in episode one when Loki first gets pulled for doing his hop and the first time you do it, it's quite comical because we've been through the whole airport yeah. waiting room thing and everything he's ever said, sign-in thing. So when we go into that scene, you've got Owen Wilson who you're 
always see as being this warm fuzzy fella plus you've had the humorous one so it's kind of quite fun and interesting because you know luck is a bit of a cheeky scamp you are more on the side of the tva by going well he's probably is up to no good and i'm sure it's not something as serious as they think it is but they're probably right whereas this time around i was actually quite vehemently angry towards morbius all of those things that loki was saying to him when he's going yeah go on say something condescending about me say it you know give me a, a witty little repartee about all the stuff i was feeling quite vehemently in his corner at this point because the last episode and the, the first 10 minutes of this episode had set me up to feel quite angry towards the tv it's weird isn't it it's shifted isn't it because totally i think the next two episodes are going to move and turn the tables i didn't feel that way towards morbius as such because like you i, I sort of had this inkling that he was probably oblivious to it but it was the representation of the organization he was working for and then threw him in that room and then obviously we know what happened after that <laughs> My eyes watered repeatedly. But I thought it was quite a nice little return for Lady Sif. Yeah. Quite like that character and obviously was notably absent in Thor Ragnarok, which was good for her because... Well, they all got killed, killed didn't they? Yeah. Uh, they all got short, sharp shrifts. I mean, yeah. what was it, the F- Mighty Three or Mighty whatever the hell they're called? Yeah, the Followers Three or something yeah. like that, yeah. That was down to her scheduling. She was filming Blind Spot, which is a good series, by the way. But because that's ended now, she's available. I think she's going to appear in Love and Thunder. All right, okay. Because she has her. a thing for Thor, doesn't she? Well, in the comics, she is... Lady Thor. She wasn't there for when he was getting killed by Hela. She was working on Blind Spot and now she's free of that. She can be in all the other mall and still be alive. <laughs> this scene is actually a perfect microcosm of this whole show. When he first arrives, you've got the callback and introduction of a character you're familiar with, so you get excited because it's the Marvel Universe. You have the absolute humour of him taking one to the crown jewels and the fact that it's on repeat, so he keeps on getting the present. But at the same time, and very quickly almost seamlessly to the point where you don't realise it it suddenly turns incredibly emotionally weighted because by about the third or the fourth time he opens up in a way this is obviously a memory which at the time he's completely dismissible don't know if you've come across these people who use like the hypnotherapy to rewind back and it turns out that a teacher told you off for something really minuscule 30 years ago and that's created a behaviour arc that you follow up for the rest of your life I remember chatting to one woman and they were saying how this girl had been told off by a nun at school. She went to one of those convent schools and she hadn't shared some of her sweets. The nun had told her off and after that, she'd almost been self-sabotaging herself by giving to others and doing things for other people, but at the expense of focusing on doing things that she needed to do for her own well-being. And it felt like that was one of those scenes where many, many moons ago, he cut hair off as a practical joke. She said, you're always going to be alone. You deserve to be alone. You're a right shit. This is something that in the back of his subconscious, he's carried with him as being actually quite a poignant moment in his life without him actually realising it. The other thing is, well, could you expect Loki to be Loki? You don't know whether he's actually being genuine. But in this, there's the feeling that he is getting that moment of truth, being told you're going to be alone, no one loves you. Is this realisation that actually he is alone? Mm. Just thought it was really clever. I went from being quite humorous to quite heavy in a very short space yeah. of time. But that's this whole series has been like that so far. Well, it's been a tip 
typical Marvel balance between being humorous but having some proper quality and weight and story arcs and plots to it at the same time. This is exactly what I would have expected WandaVision Falcon Winter Soldier to be. This is exactly all of the things that I want from a Marvel TV show yeah. because it feels even though you know it's TV it feels like an extension of the MCU the visuals are great the whole aesthetics is amazing arguably could fit nicely into a Marvel film if it was just a few scenes whereas the other shows seem jarring in comparison to this one and don't feel they sit well into the MCU as a whole they seem to just sit outside it which is ironic considering it's the TVA just before this came out I wanted to go back and re-watch Wanderer and Falcon just to bring myself up to speed on the current status of things in case it was relevant for the Loki series and I struggled a little bit to re-watch them I enjoyed them but they didn't blow me away the Loki series I could keep re-watching it because it's brilliant I agree it feels a country mile away from those other two and it's sad because it's the last one out isn't it before they go into what if it's sad because the other two didn't deliver on what my expectation was Loki as you say I would watch it over and over again and probably find something else that I didn't see before this is the point where Loki destroys Morbius's confidence in the TVA by telling him that everyone's variant and the line to him which sort of sets off a chain of events which winds up with Al Morbius taking a pole to the anatomy yeah he gets was, pruned he does that was a bit of a surprise exit wasn't it really it massively threw me off kilt when he got gotted much the same as Game of Thrones really I, I think this is sort of my hesitancy with certainly the teaser and we'll discuss this I think in a little bit of detail further down but I obviously love Morbius as a character I thought Owen Wilson has done a fabulous job but one of the things I always like about the Game of Thrones series certainly the earlier ones is that everyone's contract is rolling <laughs> <laughs> if you're an actor you don't buy a mortgage because you're on Game of Thrones I quite like the idea that you lose big popular characters at moments when you wouldn't otherwise expect it because there is a consequence to everything there is for everything that happens there is a possibility that you might lose someone which creates a gravitas to a situation because you might lose someone so a bit like Star Trek Star Trek Discovery in the most recent series as against Star Trek Discovery in season one the difference between those two was in season one they were quite happy to just kill crew members willy-nilly we lost all kinds of people along the way didn't mm. we and that meant that when you sent people on an away mission you weren't 100 percent sure they were coming back which made it more compelling it made it more exciting because there was real stakes in the game i like that game of thrones shifted the way we watch television because nobody was safe there's a arrogance to believe in that the characters you've bought into and emotionally attached to are going to be around for the whole season that's not the case is it with game of thrones other tv shows have jumped on that and actually everyone's fair game this isn't the first time where someone who's had a suspicion has gone into the boss's office they're sitting there having a quiet drink they're all being pally pally he's sort of asking soft questions which is alerting his boss to the fact that he might not be entirely on board he swaps out the temp pad and goes and checks it out and at that point you want there to be a consequence to that you want the fact that if his boss finds out there's going to be hell it turns out there was extreme there's extreme consequence but there isn't because we now think he probably isn't dead so does that take a bit of the weight out of what's just happened because at first you're like whoa shit <laughs> Morbius gone 
done. Whereas now we're like, well, I, he'll be somewhere else. We'll probably see him again. It'll be fine. Based on what we know of this episode, it does beg the question: when these people are dematerialized, what happens in that moment? Bear in mind, you don't find out. Well, you didn't find out until you watched the post credits. No, I had no idea. At that point, you wouldn't have known. But in that moment, you're like, oh my god, nobody is safe. And then when you see the same happen to Loki, you then go, fuck. How's the show carrying on? There's two more episodes. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've not had any of those moments in One Division or Falcon. No. You've had Falcon trying to get a mortgage, Falcon fixing a fishing boat, Falcon basically getting arrested by the police for walking around the streets, and then you've had One Division take three episodes to get themselves kickstarted. It doesn't have any of the same impact as this had. Obviously, the end credit scene explains possibly what it is, but in that moment, you're like, whoa. Yeah. So you had almost a trifecta of what the fucks, which is Owen Wilson's character gets blitzed off followed by you find out that the timekeepers that are these huge powerful beings are robots and then you find out Loki's dead yeah again for the umpteenth time I don't know my heart can take this and then you find out he hasn't and there's loads more Loki's it's like you find find out if he's having a thrombosis on a row machine Renslayer's response to Morbius was quite interesting. They were obviously very close and very friendly and pally and I think in episode 2 she even comments on their unique close friendship and yet in this one she doesn't hesitate to have him wiped out. But is that because she knows that when they do prune somebody they go somewhere else who is not strictly dead and if there is a means to reset she knows she can have a pal back. She just might have to wait a few weeks while he catches himself back up to speed again. That's a good point. It could be that where if they are variant they're being handpicked from different timelines so all it would need to do is go to a timeline pick him at that moment delete that timeline if that's what's happening because if we take that philosophy further maybe they're not deleting timelines all they're doing is deleting people's memories yeah well I wondered whether it's not actually the same Morbius that she keeps on reinstating so now he's been sent to the Morbius dustbin like Loki's been sent to the Loki dustbin does she go to another timeline take another Morbius from another timeline and indoctrinate him or her so there might have been various different versions of Morbius who've sat in her office which is why she sees it as such a unique friendship I think she even uses that phrase unique friendship because she's been close friends with all of the Morbiuses but they've all been different people from different backgrounds and different timelines well it explains the reasons why he thinks there's other people bringing hairs yeah because maybe there's the same trait is that they always bring stuff back the Labrador of the TVA she clarifies and when he says all these rings and she said well they're your rings he doesn't remember that she's not lying they are his as you say different ones who have all brought back souvenirs from different timelines and every time he becomes self-aware conscious of the fact that he's a variant he gets blitzed off bring back another one the other thing that was quite surprising I wondered where she was going with this was B15 gets her to reconnect her memories I mean it was quite interesting because at first I thought she was just pissed at Sylvie because she'd killed or had resulted in the demise of C33F DT who'd lost her mind or whatever she is and I thought it was a revenge thing to begin with but actually it wasn't she wanted to re-experience that because she'd been left feeling quite confused it was quite nice that we didn't see her memory either she was just left to display what it was well that was her turning point she'd had some emotions that weren't from being on the TVA lent itself to being human or wherever she was from she actually experienced them whilst being enchanted and that was a nice turn of events because when you were in the timekeeper's room 
you weren't sure how this was going to end. I didn't see that coming, if I'm honest. It was a nice turnaround of events. Yeah, but before we get to the timekeepers, they obviously, they march both of the Lokis to the bottom of the lift. You've got our Loki, who is mortified at the loss of Morbius, and he's genuinely upset yeah, about that. He's knocked a little bit. In fact, Sylvie even recognises that and asks if he's all right. Mm. It was the music, and I think the music in this whole episode, and possibly the whole series, but I particularly noticed it in this episode, was just mega, because the music they used as they were marching them through the corridors to this lift added that weight of tension and emotion. You could see the pain all over Loki's face. It, you know, I couldn't gush about this episode anymore. <laughs> tried. Loki is a show that's used the music and the soundtrack very well to add to it, and it just builds nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it kept me so engrossed and so emotionally invested in the whole thing until the stupid lizards opened the mouths. I couldn't stand a word. I, I think this is what quite irritated me because it was such a good episode. This one four power was highlighted to such an extent because everything else had been so amazing. You couldn't stand a fucking word this said i listened to him about five times and i'm still like, i have no idea what they're i'm presuming it's not relevant and then when we found out they were robots i was like well clearly they didn't care about what it was they were supposed to have said did you not have the subtitles on no okay. i could put them on but i'm assuming that i shouldn't have to put the subtitles on for 15 seconds because Agreed. one of the characters is so inaudible sometimes i put them on depending on what show you're watching sometimes the people who are putting together the sound recordings don't always get the balance between sound effect music talking bbc is a classic example of that. Where oh, I tell like, you, terrible one. What was that film? Tenet. Oh, Tenet. Yeah. I mean, Christ alive. Yeah. I think I stopped watching after five minutes. I couldn't understand a word anyone was saying. No. And the other one was um, Interstellar, wasn't it? I didn't mind Interstellar, but wasn't as bad. De- but Tenet. Definitely, yeah. Tenet's terrible. So it's that kind of thing where you can't hear what's being said. So sometimes when that's happening, I put the subtitles on just to grasp if I've missed anything. Now, what did you think about this fight scene? <laughs> so it was reminiscent of the Last Jedi, the throne room scene, which got panned by stunt performers because the choreography was shit poor. If you watch it in slow motion you can see that they're aiming to avoid her on purpose, which would never happen. Although very dramatic in the film, apart from the film was a bit diabolical. Ah, you see, I like that, but that's a debate for another It is. Now, this fight scene reminded me of that. However, I did feel that they'd put more of an effort into choreographing that it looked like they were actually trying to hurt each other. It felt a bit shit. I have to be honest, this scene was the big letdown of the episode. I thought the fight scene was a bit naff. I thought some of the, the things like Loki said better help here mm. another really cheesy corny line which I just don't think was necessary they're stuck in a room with people and they've just been given an opportunity to fight why would you say stuff? you just get on with it don't you I didn't think it was too bad I think they could have done more with it it seemed to be over quite fast but then I imagine with the exposition they've put in they're limited with time and I suppose something has to be sacrificed for that the fight scene is one of them the big reveal they're all androids was very quickly established I mean it wasn't woeful wasn't the fight scene it, it wasn't the best one I've ever seen it wasn't up to the standard of the rest of the episode perhaps it was slightly left exposed by virtue of how terrible the voices of the <laughs> three king lizards were I just probably felt irritated by that and that led me feeling a bit miffed about the uh, fight scene but you know and Loki gets himself pruned he does yeah you've just fought her you've just knocked her out why would you leave one of those sticks right by you it's a bit like kicking 
taking a gun away. So you don't leave the gun right next to the hand of the bad guy so that if they come round, they just grab the gun and shoot you. Complacency, probably. He's not expecting that to have happened, is he? He's too busy stamping all over the friend zone, isn't he? Yeah. There was a lot happening in that scene in the heat of the battle has taken his eye off the ball and has resulted in getting stabbed in the back, which is ironic. And at this point, the episode ends. For you. You know, she keeps Renslayer alive and Sylvie says, right, tell me everything. And you're thinking, right, next episode, we're going to find out loads of stuff. And at this point, it ended. I obviously just went, what the actual... My head was buzzing. I just couldn't... I was like, that was so amazing. And even though we'd lost two key characters, I was like, well, that's... I, I was quite happy to accept that might yeah. be the case. I was happy to accept that the next two episodes might be moving on from Tom Hiddleston. I'd already got my head around the fact that this might be his last foray into this character's world. So maybe he's passed the baton now over to Sylvie. And Sylvie yeah. was going to be the future look in the next two episodes would be all about that so I was happy with that and then obviously today <laughs> watch the post-credit teaser and uh, we've got a Loki fest on our hands we have so yeah. first and foremost we've got four Lokis in this screenshot so we've got Richard E. Grant who we knew was in this but we had no idea what he was going to be yeah. now he's down as classic Loki Correct. and wearing some outrageous tights back to the original way he was seen in 1962 we've got boastful Loki yeah there's not much about him who's the big bald guy yeah. With Milmir, Mimi, Mimu. He's got a big hammer yes, thing. Yes, he has. Which is interesting. Yeah. Could he be a Thor or is he Loki? Well, he must be a Loki. It makes no, no sense for him not to yeah, be Loki. They're, they're, all, they're all variants of Lokis taken from different iterations of the canon. There isn't a lot of him in canon, but the fact that he's got Thor's hammer clearly shows at some point Thor's been killed and he's taken up the mantle. We've got Kid Loki. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because going back to episode one, you mentioned Kid Loki when we were talking about this you were aware of Kid Loki Kid Loki who appeared in the comics he is an incarnation of Loki he manipulated himself out of the book of hell which is another easter egg I'll go into later on that also links into another comment we made in our last episode about the Young Avengers because in each of the shows we've had so far it's introduced possible Young Avengers, Young Avengers. so in WandaVision we've had Billy and Tommy Wiccan and Speed the introduction to Hayley Semfield's Hawkeye which is going to be in the new series Hawkeye which you mentioned in episode 2 of our WandaVision series we've got Ant-Man's daughter who plays Stature in Ant-Man and the Wasp and those is going to be introduced along with as we mentioned last episode of this show Lady Loki is in the Young Avengers so they're slowly introducing them all aren't they? Yeah. Which culminates into something else maybe the Young Avengers movie or maybe a show I think a TV show with the Young Avengers would work quite well Do you think they're creating an animal Avengers as well? They've also got Alligator or is he a lizard? No, it's an alligator. And my only thought in that is in the comic series, Thor is a frog or a toad. A little cheeky nod. Now, on the back of this spoiler, there's a couple of things to ask. So a few moments ago, I described my emotional state at the end of this episode. Where do we stand in terms of, has it undermined the emotional gravitas of those death scenes now that we've seen this? Or has it done that, but replaced it with an equally level amount of excitement because we've now got a shitload of Lokis who are going to be taking hold of this series. Where do you stand? Most definitely on the latter. In the moment it's a wow what's just happened and then when you have the revelation that actually maybe what we've been seeing isn't on the face of it what we actually believe it to be. When they're being zapped they're not actually being dematerialised they're just going to some wasteland out of the way. I quite like that idea because it redeems the TVA. When you think about the opening start of this episode where a young girl essentially is dematerialised are we 
then led to believe they're just going to kill kids simply because they see it as a branch. So the fact that potentially they're all sent somewhere else, it makes it better to deal with the fact they're killing kids, doesn't it? Yeah. So I quite like the fact that we're going to now see what potentially could be a Loki team up the anti-Avengers and formulate a plan to take on the TVA who have been hiding in a apocalyptic event, which looks like an alternative 2012 Avengers. Could you see Avengers Tower, don't you? You see, this scene has given me a new theory, which is that Loki is the timekeeper. Okay. And Loki is having to stop other Lokis from spoiling his plan. Right. Because of the chaotic nature of him as a person. The Loki philosophy is that no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to decide my own freedoms. But he's never extended that philosophy to everyone else. So when he was taking over Earth, he was very much, I will be your leader, but you'll do as I say. I think it's conceivable he's created this sacred timeline so that he can decide the freedoms of what he wants in that timeline but that's at the expense of everyone else's freedoms and as a result of which the other Lokis who branch off in all these other timelines are the kind of people who would go nah I'm not having that I'm going to book against that and so he actually finds himself being the root cause of the problem for himself because okay. I think Morbius says why do we have so many problems with this one demigod when we deal with titans i.e. people like Thanos we deal with vampires which is obviously I'm sure you're going to allude to the fact it's a nice little easter egg for, for the blade. old blade yeah. it's opened up vampires into the MCU but he makes a point of saying that Loki is a right royal repeated pain in the ass. it mm. just seems that this is constantly our problem I think there's a reason for that I think the god of mischief is by virtue chaotic and his chaos is undermining the chaos <laughs> that the Loki is trying to create I think Richard E. Grant might be the timekeeper okay interesting we've got two episodes to find out haven't we yeah I think he's going to be the timekeeper it's going to be Loki and Loki versus Loki okay well my prediction is it's, I think it's the Immortus variant of Kang the Conqueror who has been wielding the power behind the scenes we're going to get a team up of all the Lokis to overthrow that which then will nicely tie into Doctor Strange 2 Ant-Man the Quantum Realm which is nicely tied in together I'll even go as far as saying I think we'll get a Loki season 2 yeah I think so yeah. I'm just not convinced that they're going to introduce Kang so early a bit like we did with Thanos like a teaser taster that there's something behind the scenes beyond what we thought there was and then he gets a proper intro in Ant-Man but I don't know I suppose if you think about what they've had before television they only had movies to tell their story and we had to wait we didn't have any other media to watch we had to wait because they've got the TV shows now it expedites the time in which we'll see things because they have to put TV content on it has to keep us the viewer interested enough to go and see the films because then we'll go all hang on I'm happy with Disney Plus I won't go to the cinema so you have to plant these seeds for example I mentioned when we did our Captain Marvel podcast I predicted that we're going to have like a Thunderbolt thing and we're moving in the right direction in that regard because in the latest trailer for Shang-Chi is Abomination and Wong now Wong as people will know is the sidekick to Doctor Strange and Abomination was way back in The Incredible Hulk before Nobed Edward Norton wanted more money <laughs> and was a prize plum Abomination was in that now we know that Tim Roth is going to take up the mantle again of Abomination in She-Hulk they're already planting the seeds therefore I believe that Kang the Conqueror wouldn't be too soon think about the films now we're already three films in we just haven't seen them (laughs) 
I suppose. We're technically four films in. You're going to have Black Widow, Spider-Man, Eternals, and then we'll be straight on to Shang-Chi. The TV shows are expediting that. It's setting itself up for a really interesting Phase 4 onwards. In the last phase, in Civil War, we had this huge battle between freedom of choice and needing order and structure in order to avoid the chaos caused by freedom of choice. And we had this big Iron Man, Captain America battle over that very thing they're almost creating another version of that battle here aren't they really Mm. because you've got Loki who's fighting on the side of chaos they want freedom make their own choices and to do what they want Wanda very much the same yeah and they're sort of being pitched as the bad guys at the moment because chaos is seen as a bad thing and Doctor Strange is very much about maintaining order isn't he as the he is yeah so are we going to find ourselves in a very similar Iron Man Captain America style duel between those sides of the Avengers who are on the side of maintaining order, there needs to be structure, there needs to be rules, and those who are more on the side of freedom and chaos likes of Wanda and Loki. What you actually do is you you find yourselves in another almost Civil War type scenario where nobody's right, nobody's wrong, but they're going to hammer the shit out of each other for our entertainment. I mean, it's definitely parallels, isn't it? If you look at WandaVision, it's Wanda who wants to be left alone against Sword. Falcon Winter Soldier, the weight of the mantle of Captain America versus government slash politics. And then you've got this, where the TVA wanting one rule, one sacred timeline, and somebody rallying against that, creating the chaos and disorder. Absolutely, but Loki's not a good person generally. I mean, he's a god of mischief. When he does have freedom, he doesn't always do the right things with it. Wanda might have wanted to be left alone, but she also held an entire village hostage to do her will there was an argument she wasn't being exactly great with what she was doing and so it creates these wonderful grey areas that everyone could just pile in from different directions on and create the wonderment of the MCU it reminds you of the scene in Anchorman yes <laughs> where there's all the different groups coming out all the news agencies all having to be fight off as we move into the fifth penultimate episode of this season it does bring up a lot of questions of how it will be left what will the state of the MCU be after this it all could be for naught simply because it could all well be in the quantum realm and isn't affected by it. In fact, when Hank Pym is talking to Ant-Man in Ant-Man the Wasp, his actual quote is, in the quantum realm, all concepts of time and space become irrelevant, which means that all these things that are happening mean nothing because you're so small. Did you want to go on to Easter eggs now? Would this be a perfect opportunity for us to introduce some of the Easter eggs? I suspect we've plenty still to discuss. We're discussing our general feelings on this. Do a whistle-stop tour because we have actually, as we've been just discussing, a lot of this. We should have a little bell that goes ding every time we hit play Loki bingo going chronological we've already covered the return to Asgard so we have the Asgard footage and the royal palace and the rainbow bridge and then we obviously have young Sylvie playing outside which leads nicely into the next easter egg which is she's playing with the Valkyrie not to be confused with Valkyrie from Ragnarok at this point all the Valkyries have been killed by Hela in the background next to the Viking warship is a small wolf which I imagine should be Fenris people will remember from Ragnarok incidentally the young girl who plays it will be known from people who watch Walk Dead. Yeah. The reference to Ravona Renslayer who arrests young Sylvie is A23. The only link to that is in Avengers 23 her character makes her first appearance so A23. Now this was one of the other things that led me to believe why Loki is behind all of this because when she says do you remember why you picked me up and there was this wry grin by Ravona and then she says now I can't remember and that suggests that she obviously does know and that there is an 
element of irony to the answer to that question which for me might be yeah you told me to get you so that you okay. couldn't spoil your own plan you know that kind of ironic twist of fate because she didn't do anything did she? she just sitting there playing with the bloody toys that's the thing she doesn't appear to be but maybe the reason she gets grabbed is because instead of becoming Lady Loki she aims to become a Valkyrie the strange thing is she hasn't moved out of her own timeline no but if she was deemed to be Lady Loki and then becomes a Valkyrie then she has okay that's the only reason I can think of that would cause a child to be grabbed and deleted I read it as she was just Loki which would also explain why when our Loki gets pulled for escaping they're like you're a variant and he goes well I was just doing the same thing as the Avengers I was using it to deal with the situation I was in and they were oh the Avengers get away with it and I'm thinking well actually if they were only after Loki because they needed Loki because Loki wants to stop Loki from spoiling his plan then the reason why they just make a completely unfair rule for one and not a rule for the other is because it suited the argument or that the secret timeline means fuck all I think what you've got to realise here mate is I've fully committed to I'm this I'm not getting theory. that yeah I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> and I'm going to be sorely disappointed when it turns out wrong. Yeah, yeah yeah I'm going for this and I'm not entirely convinced I'm right but I, you know it's all in it's good that the show is creating we can have this conversation continuing the easter eggs Lady Sif is back obviously we've talked about that last time we saw her was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. she appeared in a couple of episodes of that she didn't appear in Ragnarok as we've she had a full head of hair as well she did now took the time to research this further although cutting off someone's hair is the least cause you well, to get kicked in the balls it's technically assault if we're going down the illegal route oh, okay. well, it's, it's still assault also within Norse mythology Loki does in fact cut off Sif's hair yeah. actually they've taken it from Thor's wife who was immensely proud of her flowing locks the thing that I thought had gone on Joe could well be wrong was I thought he'd pluked her I don't think you what I thought he'd given her a good scene to I thought that was what that was about he'd pluked her and then I realised after the second or third time he got kicked in the balls it's because he cut her hair off I thought they'd had a tryst ah you believe he did one night stand yeah and I thought that was what that was and maybe that's why she was a bit upset <laughs> during the time B-15's trying to find the missing Lokis on the timeline screen is Morag now that is a MCU planet people know from Guardians of the Galaxy when Star-Lord's having the dance off then the big one we've already covered is the line that Morbius has outside the time theatre 47 he says Kree Titans vampires we've already alluded to the Kree in Miss Minutes infomercial it could mean that there are other variants of Thanos that they've dealt with because they're Titans not Titan however he could also mean Eros who is Thanos's brother now Eros is a character that appears in the upcoming movie Eternals nice little link to that the most important one he said vampires the upcoming Blade film if nothing else they are springboard comments to other films Avengers Tower gets seen in the post credit scene where do you think they are then with that I think they're in an alternative 2012 where the Shatari end up destroying New York they're just left on a sparse planet well, I think nothing. that's what they are in now is a end of days type timeline where they throw everybody because it's an extinction level event timeline no one's going to find them I thought it was quite nice as an alternative version of 2012 where so they didn't go and get Schwami now the other thing that was interesting that ties into Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the bit when Sam Wilson says the big three androids aliens and wizards and obviously now we know the timekeepers are androids that makes his comments valid as we mentioned we get to see the various Lokis so classic Loki and the others that we've already talked about and then when he wakes up and says is this hell it's hell with one L because in Asgardian folklore hell is the Asgardian afterlife the final one I've got it seems that the TV hasn't in fact been clipping branches merely banishing them to an apocalyptic event the question is is it Kang or 
or another trying to maintain order. Or Loki. Or Loki. Or Loki. Is the sacred timeline more pantomime to keep people in control, as we discussed in last week's podcast? So, there's two questions here now that we have to deal with. The first one, where do we go from here? Because this was a huge episode in terms of story arc. I've said it on our social media posts and on the poll, which is now open and available, so go on and vote for what your thoughts are on the episode. If you comment, we'll read your comments out. As I said, this sort of a story plot cliffhanger is usually left to the penultimate episode so that you can have this huge final episode that deals with all these things things they've gone early haven't they what they've done is they've dropped a bomb in episode four and they've now got to make sure that the blast continues consistently Mm. and to the same level of gravitas as what we've just witnessed for two episodes that's very true i think what they're going to do is what they did with last week's episode is have a settling episode and i think episode five will be a opportunity for our loki to meet other variants of loki i think across that episode will be a team up i think across the course of that episode he will be going through various iterations of himself trying to recruit to bandy together and we're going to get a variant Loki team up being the culmination on episode 6 an all out battle between the TVA and different types of Loki yeah I was thinking about this I wonder whether the next episode is going to be just an entire episode of those Lokis arguing over who's in charge and who decides how they're going to get out of this quandary and then organising themselves in such a way where they all feel equally as important in order to tackle the TVA in episode 6 I almost feel like the next episode will be quite humorous I think so I think that's exactly how it would go and I think it would work really well because we all know they're all very narcissistic essentially they're bouncing off each other but they've all got the one-upmanship and all I can picture and I've only seen him once because I've only watched the post-credits once I have got ingrained into my eyes and my brain Richard E. Grant in gold tights I can't shake that vision going back to the vision do you remember what he was wearing what I mean is it makes me chuckle every time I think about it and Richard E. Grant tends to play more camp very Britishy type character and mm. I hope he brings that to this. I think a very camp Loki would work wonderfully with, obviously, the one walking around with the hammer thinking that he's the big big bollocks yeah. and the kid who's probably a little bastard and <laughs> Loki, who is obviously the Loki that we've come to love mm. up to this point. Anyway, I just think it's going to be an amazing mix of personalities and I can almost imagine that next episode is going to be just be an hilarious ability for them trying to organise a piss up in a brewery and then they're going to eventually do it for episode five to get back to the TVA where at that point we will have perhaps a bit more of a big battle. I think it's an interesting dynamic. Because Loki versus Loki equals chaos. Times infinite. Infinite. So, scores out of ten for this episode. This one is by far my best episode out of all of them and I'm going to go with a nine. <laughs> but you gave a nine for episode one. I know, and I'm giving a nine for this one. But if this was the best one you can't so give far. the same score as the one that you say it's better than. You might have forgotten the timeline where we had this conversation last, but I can. If the next episode is better, better. you'll still give it a nine. Well, which I might means give it that you can never give you can't do this. That's how I score. Voxel rang me up today. They said to me, How would you score your service? And I went nine. And I gave her the same reason. I said, No one's a ten, are they? And she agreed. She went, No, we're not. But apparently on their scoring system, anything below nine is a fail. So I didn't have much 
much room to manoeuvre. I just, ah, honest to God. It's better than episode one, two and three, but you're going to score it the same. I am just going at ten because... You're you will, making a presumption. Uh, well, my presumption will be correct because you love the other one and you scored that at ten. Now, if this one's better than that one, you can't score at eleven. So how do you justify giving it a ten when this one's the best one so far? Because this was equally as amazing. <laughs> and yes, you're right. I am going to give this a ten. <laughs> Theoretically, I should actually give it a nine because of the... Uh, the fight scene. Yeah, the fight scene and the timekeepers who Bumbling. I couldn't understand. You know, it should, but everything else was so mega amazing. I'm just happy to gloss over that fact. And if anyone wants to pull me on it, my answer will just be bothered. Well, yeah, that was, what, seconds of a whole show? Yeah. If that had been the whole thing where you'd have a lot of interaction with the timekeepers and you couldn't understand, probably would affect the overall score. But as it was part of just moving the story to its natural conclusion, I don't think it's a big deal. And nobody ever meets the timekeepers, so Maybe the ability to understand them was something that didn't really play on anyone's mind. There might even be a comment about it in the next couple of episodes where I, think so. I, yeah, I couldn't understand what he said. Yeah, no. Yeah. We didn't work very hard on that because no one gets to see the timekeepers. You're giving it a nine. I'm giving it a ten. I think we can both universally agree it was probably the best episode so far. Not just of this series, but of the whole TV MCU so far. Totally, yeah. And this is definitely your favourite series it's, in the MCU yeah, so it far. Is, yeah, ticks all the boxes. It's that weird, isn't it? how it ticks the boxes so much more than the other two. I very much enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It felt very Captain America in its setup, its style, its storyline and I didn't mind it. And Wanda once we got past the first three episodes I enjoyed that one. But when you compare them to this Loki one, they really pale in comparison, don't they? They it, come out as very average. It shines a light on how poorly conceived they are when you have this show which is just amazing and every episode is just constantly just boom, boom all the time. Falcon and Winter Soldier went far too political didn't need to do that it was difficult because trying to buy into characters you don't have that much emotional attachment to when you've done a show about them and on the back of losing Captain America as your core hero and then you're introducing a lot of other things that you could have taken time to develop in the movies Sean Carter is then the villain which was a difficult thing to swallow seeing as she'd made such an effort to look after Captain America in the films and she's related to Peggy Carter and everyone loves Peggy Carter in fact Captain America goes back in time so he can marry that's how much of an amazing person she is and she has the rest of the TBA WandaVision was different because I knew what they were trying to do with the show from the comics it was more of a closure it wasn't going to go anywhere I know it's going to springboard into Doctor Strange 2 you kind of already know where these characters have gone with this one Loki has been a staple of the MCU and is a very interesting character anyway played extremely well by Tom Hiddleston I think for those reasons it adds more gravitas and more value to the show yeah Falcon I suppose had very much a story out that has been done before super soldiers we've had before people taking the serum and the effect we've seen before it was things that we'd seen before and all right there was new elements so the blip and the effect of the blip was a new thing there is a rumor with the falcon that they had a virus storyline which was the underlying arc to that whole series which they scrapped because of the pandemic they thought it was just a little bit too close to home and that might have affected the storyline and therefore some of our understanding of the characters and their motivations oh, it's just amazing we should draw a line there before I, I yeah, quite yeah, literally no, gush anymore yeah, I no, mean I we've got work to do as members of the TVA we've got shit to do now we have we've got Loki's to grab <laughs> in the balls on behalf of Loki yes. he's the bad guy <laughs> anyway you decide
<laughs> let us know if you want to let us know on the socials Instagram, Facebook, Twitter don't forget to vote on our Twitter poll give us some comments let us know what your thoughts are and we'll, we'll mention it on the show uh, what else um, if you want to email us the two marks at thepodstation.co.uk subscribe give us a review of the show if you've enjoyed it if not give us a review anyway thanks for listening thanks for listening guys hope you've enjoyed it and we'll catch you for the next episode which hopefully will be just as amazing Excelsior social at the two marks on facebook twitter and instagram also check them out on youtube